just introduce you to Beecher Island. We're an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving, Bible-preaching church. That's who we are. That's what we stand for. We want to be in His truth, and we want to love Jesus through it all. Uh, and so that's who we are. So welcome to Beecher Island Church. I'm excited to be back here uh, and jump back into the study that we're doing of Ephesians. And I will tell you, this study has beat on me a little bit, and I have had people question um, what I've been teaching in it, and it's been awesome. Because I have had to study probably more than I usually do, I will say. Uh, But also, other people have been studying and digging in and seeking. And I will tell you that that what I have been studying has become... uh, It makes sense to me. I have left Ephesians alone my whole career of preaching because of chapter 1. I didn't have answers to some questions that I had in chapter 1. And and we worked our way through chapter 1 and... you know, I, I, I told you that, that in chapter 1 of Ephesians that we have to understand who God is talking to. Well, I should say, who Paul was talking to. And who was it addressed to? Yes, we have to understand that, that Paul was talking to Jews and Gentiles, but not at the same time. He was addressing one of them, and then he was addressing the Gentiles. And yes, he was addressing God's chosen people, the Jews. And and we have to know that that the Jews were his chosen people. We we read it all through the Old Testament. We're going to get into that here in just a little bit. But as we laid it out, we have to understand who he was talking to. And we have to understand that the Gentiles were grafted in by the grace of our God. And that is a good thing. <laughs> you know, as we worked our way through chapter 2, we got to see Paul talking about the division that was there. The division between the circumcision and the uncircumcision. The, the division between the Jew and the Gentile. And in chapter 2, starting in verse 11, I just want to read this. It says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. And I'd preach again on that right now, but, but we got to move on. But that verse right there has had probably more impact on me in the last year than any verse has for a while. I didn't know, I, I didn't understand the destitute of the Gentile. You see, he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It's all Him. For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall 
broken down the middle wall of separation. I heard it said the other day that somebody said that that was just the Gentiles' view. That was how they felt. No, I'm telling you, it was real. They had no hope in a godless world. But because of the blood of Jesus, they were brought in. Because of the blood of Jesus, they were brought in. Because Jesus had broken down the wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinance, so as to create in Himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that He might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross. Thereby putting to death the enmity. And He came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. Amen, amen. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. The Gentiles had no hope. They were without a God. But because of the blood of Jesus, they and we have been brought in. We have been grafted in, and it is awesome to have access to the Spirit, to the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And His promise, we have been adopted in. I I wanted to recap that because I wanted to make sure that we understand chapters 1 and chapter 2 as we go into chapter 3, because chapter 3 expands upon us being grafted in. Us being adopted. And that's where we're going to be. So if you haven't opened your Bibles already, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. And it's going to be good. I'm excited about chapter 3. But before, well, while you're turning there, let's go to Him in prayer. Father, we just thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your revelation. We thank You for You giving us the understanding of Your Word. Father, You tell us to keep on reading and and to keep seeking You for understanding. And Lord, I thank You that You pour that out. And Lord, I pray that if anybody here is is struggling with what's being laid out in this book of Ephesians, this epistle, that they keep reading it, they keep seeking it. Lord, You are so good. Thank You for sending Your Son to die for us. Thank You, Jesus, for letting us be able to be part of the family. Be part of the full. Thank You. Thank You for knocking down down the wall of separation. Thank You, Jesus. In in Your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Alright, Ephesians chapter 3. And I'm going to read it all because I don't want us missing something. I don't want us taking it out of context. We're going to read it all. We won't get to it all today. I'll just tell you that right now, but but we're going to read it all. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation He made known to me the mystery as I've briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge and the mystery of Christ, 
which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. 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 <laughs> amen. Amen. It is good. You know, uh, in my opinion, Paul, Paul uh, gets interrupted right away. He, he starts into this thought in verse 1, and then immediately in verse 2, he, he takes a squirrel trip. I think in this, it's almost like he set a, a set of parentheses starting in verse 2, going through verse 13. And then in 14, he gets back to his idea that he started with in verse 1. If you're like, what? Just walk along with me a little bit. <laughs> Just walk along with me here a little bit. But you, you know, this set of parentheses makes sense, though. In my mind. It brings it all together. It makes sense. When I think about this more and start digging into it, in the present age of the church, it starts making even more sense. And how God is dealing with it. Because doesn't the church age now have its own set of parentheses? I mean, in most of the period of history recorded through the Old Testament, God was dealing primarily with the Jewish people. I mean, truly, from Genesis 12 to Malachi 4, the narrative centers 
almost exclusively on his chosen people, the Jews. Abraham and his descendants. When the Lord Jesus came to earth, he was rejected by Israel. And as a result, God set aside the nation temporarily as his chosen as his chosen earthly people, and now we are living in the church age. When Jews and Gentiles are on the same level with God. One. See, uh, after the church has been completed and, it, and is taken home to heaven, God will resume his program with Israel nationally. Nationally. I'll say it right. The hands of the prophetic clock will begin once more. And so William MacDonald is quoted as saying this, the present age is sort of a parenthesis between God's past and future dealings with Israel. It is a new administration in the divine program, unique and separate from anything before or after it. So in verses 2 through 13, Paul gives a fairly detailed explanation of these parentheses. And when he he breaks into this thought in verse 2, he launches into his discourse on the mystery. You see, I say that he had a squirrel trail, but it's an awesome squirrel trail. It's about the mystery for the Gentiles. He lays out to something, he lays out to them something that they had already heard about a little bit, because he said, I've already written to you once. But he digs into it even more. His special ministry that God had committed to him. And he describes that ministry as the dispensation of the grace of God. And I want you to understand that, that this dispensation that he's talking about is a stewardship. You see, a a steward is one who is appointed to administer the affairs of someone else. Paul was God's steward. He, He was charged with setting forth the great truth regarding the New Testament church. It was a stewardship of God's grace in at least three senses. As to the one chosen... It was an undeserved favor to Paul that he was selected to do such a high privilege. As to the content of the message, it was a message of God's free and unmerited kindness. His grace. His grace. And as to the recipients, the Gentiles were absolutely unworthy of it. So unworthy of his favor. That's us. So unworthy of his favor. But that's why it's called his grace. But you see, this stewardship was given to Paul in order that he in turn might impart it to the Gentiles. 
He would give it to us. That's, that's why all of His epistles are in God's holy Word, so that we can read it and know it. He backs this up with what He lays out in verses 3-7. through seven. Verses 3-7, through seven, How that by revelation He made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it has been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of His power. This ministry of the mystery is now revealed. And I want you to know that Paul tells us that he didn't learn it from anyone else. He, he didn't learn it by, by, by reading it somewhere. He, he didn't just pick it up. He didn't come to it on his own. No, it was made known to him by direct revelation from God. Now, we're not told where this happened or even how it happened. Some people assume some Bible scholars will lay it out. I have my opinion. I'm not going to preach it from here. <laughs> but in some miraculous way, God showed Paul his plan for the church. In some miraculous way, he, he showed him how Converted Jews and Gentiles can have His love. See, the mystery of the Christ is being revealed, but I want to make sure that we understand the mystery that is being revealed. You see, verse 5 and 6 give us probably the most complete definition of the mystery that we have in all of God's Word. You see, Paul explains what a mystery is. And then he explains what the mystery of Christ is. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to His holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the gospel. First, it is a truth which in other ages was not made known. It was not made known to the sons of men. It was not laid out in the Old Testament. Yes, there is glimpses of it in the Old Testament, but it is not for the Old Testament. Second, it is a truth which has now been revealed by the Holy Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. God was a revealer. God was the one who laid it out. And the apostles and prophets were the ones that were set apart to give this revelation. <laughs> I want you to understand, though, that these prophets and apostles were not of the Old Testament. They're of the New. They're of the New Testament. They, they were not of the Old. But I don't want to pass over verse 6. 
without really reading it. It says that the Gentiles, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. You see, uh, I want you to think about this. We read in the Old Testament of how God's chosen people, the Jews, are loved by God and cared for by Him, provided for. He gave them what they asked for, even if He didn't think it was what was best for them. He took care of them, even when they would leave Him, even when they would worship another God, even when they would turn away from Him, He would wait for them. He was there for them. And as soon as they would call out to God, God would reach out His arms and He would rescue them. Over and over again. Why? Because He loved them and they were His children. They were His chosen people. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ through the Gospel. And now because of Jesus and His blood and Him ripping down the division wall between the Jew and the Gentile, it says in chapter 2, verse 14, For He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in His flesh the enmity. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinance so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. The love and care and provision that was poured out on God's chosen people is now being poured out on us is now being poured out on us, on all who will come to the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son. It's being poured out. You see, I want you to hear what Paul is telling the Gentiles and telling us. We now can be partakers of first the promise, the promise of Christ, which is salvation. And second, the love and compassion that God pours out on His people. We can stand boldly in the fact that if you have faith that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, you are His child. You are His child. Verse 11, according to the eternal purposes which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have, listen, boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Do you walk in that? Do you walk in boldness because of the access you have and you have confidence because of the access that Jesus has given you? 
You see, I want you to see that this, this picture that Paul is drawing for us, this, this picture because of what Jesus has done, because of His work, when we have faith in Him, we can have the unspeakable privilege of entering into God's presence at any time, anywhere. In full confidence that we will be heard. That He will hear what we pray. He will hear what we say. And we can do that without any fear of being rebuked. I don't care if you're mad at God and you're coming to God mad. And you're yelling at Him. And you're just laying it all out. He won't rebuke you. He will listen to you. He will hear you. You can be, you can know with confidence that is the truth. You see, I want you to see this picture, this picture of God taking care of His children, just as He did in the Old Testament that we read over and over, one by one, but yet all at the same time. And I want you to have this picture of you being held in His arms. This picture of Him pouring out His love on you and caring for you and providing for you even when it doesn't feel like it. Even in the battle. Even in the trials. Even in the struggles. Even when you're sinking. Even when you're in the storm. You see, maybe you don't see yourself as this person in the arms of God because you haven't fully come to Him. Maybe you think it's a good idea and you've given Him part of your life, but you haven't fully said, God, I want to walk in Your ways. I know that You, Jesus, are the Christ. I know that You went to the cross for me. I know that it's Your blood that was shed. I know that it's Your blood that covers me and I can have complete forgiveness. But you haven't fully given him that. You haven't fully accepted that. You haven't fully said, I'm going to walk in you and I'm going to give you my life. And if that's the case today, do it. Today, giving your life. Today is the day. But let me also say that if you have done that, but life has gotten in the way, but things in this world have come in and separated you and your fellowship from Christ. Maybe in life you've tried to find that love and care somewhere else besides the Father. And it's driven you down a road that you don't want to be on. God still loves you. God still cares for you. God still wants you. And He is still right beside you saying, You are my child. Come here. You know, even as grown men, sometimes we still just need a hug. Right? I'm going to share a whole story with you, and I hope that my wife is okay with it because I didn't get permission from her. But 
I was a jerk yesterday. A lot of pressures going on in my business. I have a lot going on where we hit the road a lot. And, and I was a jerk the other, yeah, 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 several days in a row. We'll just go with that because I, I, I bet that's just truth. And uh, Christy and I had a discussion. And I said, you know what, I just need a hug. And told it's going to be okay. Sometimes we need that from our father. But we got to go to him first. Allow him to give us a hug. And tell us it's going to be okay. And I'm just telling you right now, if there's anything stopping you from that, just call out to him. And he's right there to wrap you in his arms. Give you a hug. And say it's going to be okay. Because it is. Because if you know the Father, you know the Son, and you know that you're forgiven, and you know that you have the promise of eternal life with Him forever. It doesn't get any better. It will be okay. No matter what this life is thrown in. No matter what it is. Understand what Paul is telling you. That you have life because of the blood of Jesus. You have life and you have forgiveness. And you, He is right there for you no matter what choices you've made. One choice matters. Him. Choose Him. And if you've not done that, do it. If you've done it, but you're, you're walking away from Him, choose to step back into His home. He's here for you. Accept I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up. And, I, and, and I'm going to jump back in uh, uh, next week to, to this set of parentheses. Uh, 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 or, or as we continue on, uh, we, we were in the parentheses of the mystery that Paul is laying out. But it's no mystery anymore. It was a mystery then, but not now. Because Jesus is revealed. And we know who He is and what He's done. But we'll jump in to verse 14. And if you'll see verse 1 and verse 14, Paul says the exact same thing. Because he wanted to get back to his thought. What he was trying to tell them. But he first, before he wanted them to hear what he had to say, he wanted them to absolutely know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that He died for them. Died for them. I want you to know that. I don't want to take another step in any of His Word unless you know the Gospel of Jesus Christ and that is He died for you personally. And that He is the one that gives life. Not anybody else. It is Him that gives you forgiveness. It is Him that gives grace. And it is good. And if you haven't fully accepted that today, today step into that. Today make that choice. Let's go to in prayer. Father God, I thank You, I thank You, I thank You for Your grace and for Your love and for the promise of everlasting life. 
because you sent your son to die in this world. And for whosoever will believe that you, Jesus, are the Christ, the Son of God. And I just pray that we understand that fully. And that we stand bold in it. Bold in the access we have. And we walk in confidence because we know it. And that we go out from this church and we, and we shine your light. And we, we tell people about the mystery that is no longer the mystery as Paul was trying to do. We will tell people about you, Jesus. We will be bold in it. We thank you for your loving arms. <laughs> we thank you for caring so much about each one of us that we can know, we can know, we can know, we can know that you, God, have saved us when we come to Jesus and know that his blood was shed for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Jesus, we pray all this in your name. Amen.